Welcome to everybody. It is a special pleasure to see everybody together again. And this morning we're taking our next step um, together in the topic of the what and the why of prayer. This is the topic, our next, this episode is the fourth part where we're looking at a Lakaina Shama. Full disclosure is, is that uh, I want to do shorter on each topic, but it happens to be that this topic has a lot of depth, has a lot of depth and it, it serves as a very good example that relates to many other brachas and we'll see why in just a short moment. So what is a Lakaina Shama? It is printed before our davening begins in shul, technically speaking. So nobody is saying this out loud, they're saying it to themselves. We'll notice and perhaps we'll think about why it is actually pre presented in the singular rather than the plural. Um, it's not a generic bracha, it's a very particular bracha. And the bracha reads as follows. Let's just do a re quick recap. Elokai, my, my, my God, neshama shenosata bi, the soul which you placed in me, tahorahi, it is pure. Ata veraoso, ato yatsarto, ato nafachtabi, you created it, you fashioned it, you blew it into me. Those are the three different spiritual realms, of course, that we're noticing here. You got it in my midst. You're going to take it from me. You're going to return it to me. As long as the soul is within my midst, I thank you. I don't call it a shamois. I, the master of the universe and all action. Souls, Borachata Hashem, Marzir Neshamas, Divkarim Esim, you return the store, the, restore the soul to dead bodies. Okay, it's a very powerful bracha. It's usually one which we are sometimes rushing just because of arriving in shul, and sometimes I'm sure, let's say, on the, if one has been asked to daven for the Amud on the men's side of the of, of this uh, equation, and one has to jump to the Amud, it becomes difficult to do this. Um, so let's just do a little bit of background as to what we're supposed to be doing, how and, the, how and how this expresses itself. So when does one say this bracha specifically? So it actually happens to be a matter of great debate, and we're going to spend a little bit of time understanding and pre appreciating the depth of this. But technically speaking, it should be said after Asher Yatsar, after the bracha that we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for a healthy body. We'll see in a second why that might not be so simple. What if we forget to say it? So let's say one is, is presented with that situation where let's say one has that variant gene called Gabai gene. I think it's something people are born with per personally. It's a certain like sort of variance which has a certain responsibility that no matter where they go, they're going to organize things. It's a wonderful gene mutation. Um, and what happens is, is that you're, you're sometimes in that situation and you come to shul and there's no one else who's doing it and you naturally take the responsibility for the circumstance. And you have to start davening because nobody else is starting to davening and, and they would still be there schmoozing with each other than 10 minutes later if it weren't for you going to be doing something. So you start davening, but you didn't get a chance to say Elokhana Shama because it's before davening. So, so what do you do in such a, a, a situation? So interestingly enough, Elokhana Shama is one of these brachas which is said before davening, which actually has a parallel twin during the davening. And therefore, if a person were not to say it before the davening, a person would forfeit the ability to be able to say it after davening. What is its parallel bracha? What is its, its, um, its twin? And the answer is the second bracha in the Shemona Esrei, where we talk to our we talk about how Hashem restores life, resurrects the dead. And that really is what the topic of this bracha is. The micro-resurrection which occurs every morning, the macro-resurrection which occurs um, at the time in the future, which is what we say in the second bracha, that Hashem restores those who are, who are, who are, who are dead. 
um, that is going to therefore parallel it. So therefore, if a person misses it out and has come to the end of davening and realizes that one missed it out, should one be saying it? The answer is no, because Machaya Mesem covered it. But here's the trick. Let's say that you remember not at the end of davening, but in the middle of davening that you had gone to the circumstance. So now here's the problem. On the one hand, you have the, you know, you have the lights coming down, down the road at you, which is Machaya Mesem, the second bracha in the Shwana Esrei. But on the other hand, you didn't say it. So what do you do now? So do you just wait to, to so to speak, get the second train? Or is there something you can do? So the truth is, is that in such a circumstance, so let's say we're in Pesuket Zimra, and we remember that we are one didn't get a chance to, and remember one's not supposed to speak in the middle of Pesuket Zimra. Nonetheless, this is one of the exceptions. You're allowed to say, Elokai Neshama, um, in order to avoid having to use the second Rachel Neshama essay for it. Similarly, even if one were, one were in the Kriyashma area, the next uh, stage of davening, one would be able to do it ben haprakim, right? So let's say between Yotzer HaMa'oros and Avarabah, a person would say, Elokai Shama, and then continue in order to avoid being in such a circumstance. And if ultimately one uh, um, were to get to Shemona Esra and has realized that one did not do Elokai Shama, one should actually say the bracha, uh, the second bracha of Shemona Esra, trying to intend not to say Elokai Shama, so one can still say it after davening. So just to be aware of this, because by default, one would be, uh, one would, Oh, one would be able to be out on this. Um, and what happens if? Yes, Tibby. One question. Good, yeah, so we're going to discuss in a second, Tibby. You're right, you're right. Sidos have different variations of printing, and we're going to get to why that is in a second. I've always wondered about that, and there's a lot of very fascinating audience which we're going to address today. And finally, what about the all nighters? I'm pulling an all nighter, it's Shavuos night. So, what do I do in the morning? And the answer is, it depends if you are of Spanish or Germanic descent. Um, if you are a Svardi, you may say Elokai Shama, But if you are a Ashkenazi, then you would not say Elokai Shama. Okay, so in, in, in the morning and therefore rely on somebody else to be able to do that. Okay, so that, that is our, uh, that's a general overview. Now let's, now let's dig into the, the depth and the, the depth of the way. Esther Moish, there we go. Here we are, sorry. If somebody could, thank you so much, Eliezer. There we go. Um, so, let's, let's start at the beginning. Why is this topic such a fascinating topic? Because it turns out that um, Elokai Shama is an anomaly. It's a very unusual bracha. And in order to be able to zone in, to try to, try to get the, the high definition outline of it, we, it, it helps us uh, analyze the general concept of brachas, which is why we're going to do it this way. So, let's start at the beginning. Why is it so unusual? It's unusual for a number of reasons. So let's go back to, back to basics. The Gomorrah and Brachas talks about this bracha. It's important to always look at things in terms of context. So the Gomorrah actually starts off on Daf Samachon Beis talking about a different bracha. The bracha it talks about at the beginning is in source one, Hanichnas Lishon Al Mitasa, a person who is about to go to sleep um, on, on, on their bed, Omer Shema Mishma Yisrael Ad Im Shamoa. So a person is going says Shema until then until Vayam Shamoa, and then. At such point, goes through the nusach of this blessing with this supplication, and it's a very beautiful bracha, which should really always be the last thing one does before going to sleep. We'll discuss that, God willing, when we get towards the end of the day um, later on. Right after that, the next, the next thing the Gemara tells us is when a person wakes up, 
Then Omer Elokeinu Shomashen Asatabi Tohirahi or Tohira. You notice it leaves out the word he. Um, so the, uh, and this is where the Gemara references this. Okay, so you you see this over here as a um, as this the starting point. What do you see just as an interesting aside over here um, from from in terms of the structure of the day? Is there a, a Sharyatsar in this in, a, in this in this Gemara? The answer is no, right? So it's interesting that it does not reference the Elokeinu Shama to Ashriyatsar. It seems to sort of talk about it as the normal pattern of one's day, right? There's one goes to sleep, there's a bracha, one wakes up, there's a bracha, and so on. So that we have to we have to think about why where Ashriyatsar relates to it as well. One also has to think of how does Modeani relate to it because it has its own Modeh in it. It has its own admission. In it, at the end, uh, that we ask, we, we relate to our God Baruch Hu, and we say that Hashem, you're the master of, of all the souls. So how how do Modeani and, and it compare? How do it and Asher Yotzar compare? And why is the Gemara absent in terms of talking Asher Yotzar, which was previous prior, prior to that was the previous previous paragraph in the Gemara itself. So here's here, here's here's where it gets complicated. Is it turns out that there are specific template formats for how brachas work, and we may not notice this actively. But this is true about everything we, everything we do. The Gemara says, and this Gemara appears a number of times in Shas, one is on Psachim Daf Kuf, um, da, Kuf um, Hayam and Aleph, and the other one is in Brachos Daf Memvavim and Aleph, where the Gemara says the following rule, the following format for Brachos that, that every Bracha has to follow, with many exceptions. Um, so the general format is, as the Gemara tells us, Every blessing starts... And ends with a, bra- a, a baruch. Can anybody think of a default example, just for a moment? What was that? Ashiyatzar. Fantastic. Ashiyatzar. Starts the baruch, ends the baruch. Any other examples in our in the course of our day, our week? Kiddush. Kiddush Friday night. God. So the, uh, is, uh, the second baruch clearly starts and ends. Any other? Any other brachas? Havdala. Right. Baruch Achrana. Right. What we call Alamichia, right? Baruch Shomar is the same way. Um, and then um, uh, other examples are as well, um, you know, at the end of the, the Birkasa Shachar, those bigger brachas, when you have a chunk, a paragraph, it starts and it ends with a baruch, okay? That's the, that's the default rule. What was that? Halel starts and ends with a baruch. Right, so you have all these brachas, which, which that's the, that we'll call that default. That's supposed to be the way it is. However, there are exceptions. So the Gemara now go, goes on to section of Brisa, gives examples, exceptions. Chutz, mi birkas mitzvois, birkas peirois, ubracha samucho lachaverto, ubracha achrona shebe kriyashva. There are three categories in one example that I'll give it over here. So one is birkas mitzvah. So what's an example of birkas mitzvah? Tzitzis, right? So tzitzis, shofar, lulav. So it doesn't start and end with the bracha, it just, it kind of just starts, right? There's no, there's no, so it just says, Baruch Atah Shonu Kenem Enech Olam, Asher Kedi Shonu Mitzvah Slavet Sivanu, that's the extra, you know, added template for a Birkas HaMitzah. You command us in the Mitzvah, you give us the opportunity to the Mitzvah. Al Natilas Lulav, there's no extra, pre, there's no preamble, there's no epilogue, it's just, just as it is. Why is that? Rashbam, uh, that's Rabbi Nishmuel, Rashi's grandson, on the Gemara in, Sachim says, very simple. I just put it below in source five. We don't need to read it inside at this point, but just for reference. So he says the reason is because there's not so many details. 
It's not like we need to explain to ourselves. Now, we're not explaining to Hashem. Hashem knows why He commanded us these things. But we don't need to explain to ourselves so much. Hashem, you gave us the opportunity of doing something which is going to be immortal, immortal something which has infinite capacity to change ourselves. So it's very simple. Hashem, you told us too. What it is, Sheikh put up a fence, whatever the mitzvah is that, it, that, that we're doing, very little explanation needed, so therefore it's short. The other one is, um, is Birkas HaPera. So that was the brachas before we eat, right? Baruch HaTashem Again, there's no uh, preamble, no epilogue. It's very sort of self-explanatory. Less explaining necessary. When there's less explaining necessary, all it is is just the header. That's what it seems to be. That's, uh, and, and that's what we think about a lot of brachas. Now, the one that's intriguing to us over here is Bracha HaSamucha LeChaverta. A bracha which is next to another bracha. What is a classic example of a bracha hasamucha lechaverta? Share brachas, but you're getting too complicated because all of them are really micro brachas in a certain sense. This, this, this should be the most obvious. The whole Shmona Esrei. Think about this for a second. The only bracha in Shmona Esrei which begins with the baruch and ends with the baruch is bracha number one. But every other bracha starts off already in the subject, right? So the next one is Atagibon Alam Hashem, right? Atakadosh, you are holy. Atachonein Ladam Das, right? So we, we, all the brachas are there do not begin with the baruch. Why not? Because in a certain sense they've been anchored by the first bracha, which begins Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu and they all lean, so to speak, on that first bracha. Other examples are: where else do we see this 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 type of pattern? Same thing with Birkas Kriyashma. Right, so we have, before Kriyashma, there are always two brachas. The first one starts, Baruch Atah Hashem, ends with the Baruch Atah Hashem. The second one, Avarava, Avas Alam, whatever the Nusach we're using is, that never starts the Baruch. Why? Because it's leaning on the first bracha in that pattern, right? So it's sort of set up as this in, in, this, in, in that way. So yes, there is content, there's more explaining necessary in the, in the bracha, but we don't need to start with the bracha because we already, so to speak, set the tone for this, the, the, this blessing. So that's why the, the brides had to explain, and what's the other example is the bracha after the Kriya Shema. Why does it need to say that? Because, how, how does that, because there's, there's Kriya Shema in the middle. Think about it. How does the, the third bracha of the Kriya Shema start afterwards? It starts with the words, MS Ve'emuna or MS Ve'yatsiv. And there's no baracha at the beginning. And it's not technically smucha lechaverta. It's not technically right adjacent to the previous bracha because what's in between is Kriya Shema. So the Bryson makes a note that this is a little, we'll call, we'll call it stretched Okay, so default. If you have a short idea, a birkas mitzvah or birkas haperos, then it's short. It's just a heading. Any bracha which has expansion in it has a bracha at the beginning and the end, unless it is leaning backwards on another bracha which is naturally adjacent to it. Naturally is actually something we could investigate because there are ways of creating bracha haperos. As an example, can everybody think of an, of, of an example of where you have to create a situation of bracha hasamucha lachaverta? This is for those brachas B folks out there. Where is an example where you, you try to create a bracha hasamucha lachaverta situation? Birkas Kadim, no? Good, good guess though, because there is, there is a bracha there. This is an interesting, interesting uh, um, aside. Is Tulas Aderech. Okay, so Tulas Aderech does not start with a bracha. It starts as a hiratzon, so it's a, it's a hiratzon. So where's the bracha at the beginning? So actually, many of the posts can say it's a good idea to say a boremi nemezanos before saying the, the thing to create the situation where one's framed it, starting with the bracha. Just interesting aside as 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 one of the sort of anomalies of this application. Interesting. Okay, be as it may. Now let's 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 dig a little a little further. So the Gemara then says sheyesh mehem 
In these exceptional cases, some of them start off just sort of on the subject and end with the bracha, and some of them start with the bracha and don't end with the bracha as well. They are not capped on either end. So the Gemara gives an example. What's an example of a bracha which starts with the blessing but does not end with the blessing is What is that referring to? What is This is not the bracha said on wine. What is this referring to? There is a tov which refers to one or good tidings which affect multiple people. What is this bracha? This is what we sing. We sing it's the fourth bracha of benching. So let's think about this. Benching works the same way. It's, it's three brachas. Right? And then we get to the next one. What's the next bracha? What's the next bracha? What's the next bracha? So those brachas are leaning on bracha number one, which is why they don't start. And then the funny thing happens is bracha number four. Bracha number four is bracha Hashem. We now start a new bracha and it doesn't end with a bracha. When does it end? Right? Most people are not aware of this. Al Yachastrainu, that's where the Amen belongs. But there's no bracha to tell us then, which is why most people don't know that it's ending, right? So it's like a sort of a long paragraph where it sort of falls, falls off the cliff. Why is that? So the Rashbam explains, which makes a lot of sense, is it was instituted at a different period in history. The first three brachas were actually established sequentially at different points. So the Hazan Salam was instituted by Moshe Rabbeinu when the man fell. When we talk about Hashem sustaining us directly, and we took that as part of our, our, our liturgy. Then the next stage was, Noidelechah refers to the next stage in history, which was Yosho when we conquered the land of Israel, which is why the topic is the land of Israel, and circumcision, which were two things that Yosho um, enabled. Then the next bracha of Rachemna is David, and later on Shlomo Melech, because we talk about Yerushalayim, Irecha, which was not there at the time of Yosho, accessible at least. So those were instituted, and therefore we're talking at the times of Tanakh. The Atova Meitiv was instituted long past the closing of Tanakh by the uh, the Anshikness like or next no after Anshikness like by Chazal um, at the time of the fall of the last sovereign bastion in the Roman Roman revolt Beitar against the Romans um, which was quelled in the year 135 ish um, common era and after the Romans destroyed the city killed everybody every living soul in the, in the city they did not allow us access to the city to even bury the dead. And it was after a number of months that we were given access and there was a miracle which happened that none of the bodies decomposed. So when we were able to get, get access to the dead to bury them, upon that time the Chazal said we were going to institute a special bracha, the fourth bracha in Benching because it's such a monumental moment. And they said, which is why it was instituted separately so it is not considered It isn't leaning on the previous ones because we're talking about hundreds of years in between its institution and the original Benching and it's therefore just distinguished in that way. Just as an interesting aside as to what this is, and we're not going to into why it is that this is the fitting event to create a new bracha as opposed to many other events where we could have found this. So here, that, that's, that's what the Gemara says, which now leads us to a question, because here you have a bracha, which you say every morning, and you notice it doesn't start with a baruch. It stands all by itself. And then the question is, why? What, 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 what is it? Why is this? It's got content, right? So we're explaining something to ourselves. We're praising Hashem about something, we're asking about something, but at the same time, there's no Baruch at the beginning. So that is the question which so many of the, of the poets can deal with. So we'd like to, to explore three different avenues, each one of them yielding a very different outcome in understanding the content of this particular Baruch, which is why it's such a fascinating Baruch to analyze. The first observation is something I found, which is in, in, actually in the Kesef Mishnah, Rav Yosef Karo, and this is sort of, he mentions this as a side comment. 
So let's, th this is why it's such a fascinating topic to, uh, to analyze because he, we're talking about the rules of brachas. When, when Anshak Nisagyola made brachas for us, we were no longer in that, so to speak, organic stage of poetry where I feel this, this kinship and endearment to my creator and I burst forth in song as I'm about to eat my, br my, my bread. No, Anshak Nisagyola says, we're going to give you this textbook structure of how to do this and this is, this is what you need. And anytime you give a re make a regulation, there are rules. You can't just regulate something and give an idea. You have to have very precise rules. What are the rules? So the Rambam says in this, in source four, the Ram in Mishnah Torah in Brachos says the following: But Ezra based in Atiknum. When Ezra came back to the land of Israel, the beginning of the second base of English, he made he instituted blessings. Don't add, don't subtract. He got it right. A person who decides to, so to speak, have their own. Poetic license in the brachos um, is a mistake. Now, that does not mean to say we can't speak to Hashem in our own words and thank Him for things in our own way. We should. But when it comes to brachos, we should use the, the, the machinery given to us because He got it right. He knows. He knew what He was doing. He was part of this, uh, this, um, uh, this entity called Anshik Nesagdala. Among them, many prophets who utilize this as the way to, uh, to, uh, to, to say the correct, the correct um, phraseology. So, two ingredients necessary is to have shame. What's shame? Hashem's name. Right? And Malchus. What's Malchus? Melech HaOlam. Right? So by the way, actually it happens to be, I was at, at, at Abdullah at somebody's house a little while back, and they reached the end of the, uh, the Hamavdil, and then somebody said, I don't think you said Melech HaOlam. They just said, Baruch Hashem, Abadil Ben Ben right? And it's so easy to do that, right? And you have to repeat the bracha. Because the Ravan says you need to have those two things. You need shame and malchus. Okay, you need to have both of those things. Elohim Cain, Hoysosimuch, and Chavet, unless it was dependent on, its, on the one next to it. Okay, so the case of Mishnah, Rabbi Yosef Karo, um, makes an observation on this. And he says, which is not considered the whole thing, but um, he says in the second line, at the end of the second line in source 5, he says, This now explains to me what, how Elohim uh, Shama works. Shein bo malchus. We don't say Melech Olaminus, right? So how's it a bracha? Bracha to Hashem ha-machzir neshamos levgarimesim. We don't mention Hashem's malchus. He says, V'gam eno samucha na'ashe yotzar. It isn't even close. We don't, it's not necessarily printed right after Hashem yotzar. Deha meikor levado hiskinua. It was established independently, as we see in the Gemara we looked at, which is not next to Hashem yotzar. Kimitai mishanasai leymel elokai neshamo. Ela, vada, must be, came into kamar elokai, choshiv kamoi malchus. By saying this bracha, you start with God's name. If you're starting with God's name, it's like mentioning his, his monarchy. It's like mentioning that he is, it's his name and his monarchy in the same word. That's what uh, the, the Kesev Mishnah suggests, why it acts uh, differently. So all the other brachas where we start off, so to speak, without a atagibor, uh, all the other brachas which are simuchas lachavet and so on, there's no mention, so to speak, of God at the beginning. This is the first word, is Hashem. If we're mentioning Hashem, that's why, so to speak, it is a pseudo mentioning of Shem Vimalchus in the bracha, as, as, as would be suggested. Now, this is a, I would, we'll, we'll call this an answer on technicality, right? Because that means to say that really it is what we are expecting it to be, we just we don't recognize it, right? So technically speaking, it is the bracha that begins with the baruch and it has Melech HaOlam. Why? Because we start with Hashem's name. But it could be more than that. So these last two avenues, I, I think, are really, really fascinating um, observations. So the first is the following. This is, this is, this is the Tosis and Rochus, and this is, I would suggest, the predominant view 
of the Rishonim, of, of most of the Rishonim, which is as follows. The bracha, the the the, the is found in brachas mem vavam and aleph, and it's it's um, it's it's elsewhere as well. The the Tosis says the following. Um, we're starting the second line. He says, "Elokana shama ama ena posachas baruch." Why does Elokana shama not start with a the regular baruch like a default bracha? It's not next to Asher Yatsar. That's how you went to the bathroom beforehand. You're, you no longer need to say Asher Yatsar at this point in time. So then it's not really dependent. He says, you know why? Because the nature of this bracha is a bracha in which it is a bracha on thanksgiving. And a thanksgiving bracha does not need to close, to, to, to have them follow the same rules. Now, where does he get that from? Where does Tosas get Where do they get this from? Where do the Tosas get this from? If you remember our short list in the Gemara and Brachos, the short list in the Gemara and Brachos didn't mention this, right? It didn't mention this at all. Right, it's, it was there was Birkas Peros and there was Birkas Hametzvos and then there was uh, right the, and there was the third bracha of Kriyashma Brachas Mukhalakavertah but this is none of them. So some of the some of the Rishonim try to understand in, in all the sorry the later poets can understand that what Tosis is referring to is remember the bracha Hatovah Metiv what type of bracha is that the fourth bracha in the in the in the in the, in the benching. That's thanking Hakadosh Baruch Hu for this moment this moment in Jewish history. This is like that. That's what Tosis is saying. It doesn't follow the same rules when you have a Birkas Hodah. Very un- unusual. So it follows its own rules. It beats to its own drumbeat. And therefore it, is, it doesn't require that. Unusual. It's hard to think of other brachas where you have such a bracha. Now the example that's referenced is the Birkas HaGashami, which is not a bracha we say, the bracha on rain. We don't usually say that bracha because we need to have such a preponderance of rain here in Long Island. It's, <laughs> it would be an interesting question. Um, but nonetheless, it's, uh, this Tosis says it operates unusually, which actually leads us to a fascinating observation. There is a question asked by Rav Chaim Pilagi, who's a, uh, a, a Kabbalistic, halachic decisor on Shulchan Aruch, and he has many, wrote many, many, sorry, he wrote in a, bo- in a book called Chaim Larosh, he asks the following very basic question. Think about this for a second. When we talk about um, the, the Birkas HaShachar, which we're going to get to in the coming, in the coming sessions together, uh, we, have, we have a lot of these the brachas that we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all kinds of um, you know, so to speak, things. We, we thank Akash Baruch Hu that he, we, that he opens our eyes, right? That we, we, we talk about the fact that we can sit, we can stand, or so to speak, all bodily functions. We start detailing. It's like a sort of a, a list of all the things that we have the ability to be able to do. There's one bracha which is absent uh, from, from, from that list, and that is the bracha thanking Hashem for speech. We never say thank Hashem for allowing us and enabling us to speak. We talk about all the other functions that we're able to, goes with, goes with strength and it crowns us with glory, all the, all the different things that we're able to do. But at the end of the day, we don't ever think, thank, thank Hashem for the capacity to speak. And so says Rochaim Pilagi, our answer is, is that's what Elokaina Shama is. When does a person have speech? And we're not talking about sleep talking, apparently. Um, for those of who, those who are, who are in, the, or in the parasha or have somebody else in the house who is in the parasha. Um, but in the end of the day, we're talking about intelligence speak as an expression of the soul being in the body. And therefore, what, when am I thanking Hashem for my ability and my creative capacity to be able to speak is Elokhan Shama, which explains why he says, therefore, why it is that this bracha is in fact connected to Asher Yatsar as well. Now this is a, 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 a slightly different from what Tosis is saying. 
Um, but why? Because how does Asher Yatsar end? Asher Yatsar ends with the bracha. Baracha ta Hashem. Mafli kol basar. Urafei kol basar. Mafli la asoyz. What does the word mafli mean? Exactly. How do you translate that? Wonder. Wonder, like the word pele, right? So here's a funny thing. When the Rambam codifies the halachas of all nadarim, shvois, charamim, when a person takes upon themselves some sort of, so to speak, higher calling and responsibility, where does the Rambam put all those halachic, uh, those halachas? In what category of halacha? Does anyone remember what that's called? Hafla. It's called hafla'a, which hafla'a also means expression. The Ramah explains, what does it mean mafli la'asos in the end of Asher Yatsar? We finished talking about how the body operates. That was last, uh, last time. And the, in the incredible, the incredible function of the body. We end off with mafli la'asos, says the Ramah, that is the fact that a soul is connected to this body. And that the wonder is, is that the spirit and the material are interconnected and cannot escape each other. That's what mafli la'asos, that's the wonder. And that mafli expresses itself in pele, in hafla'a, which is, which is articulation. Comes straight into the next bracha, what is that? that soul endows me with the ability to break and create through speech, which is what Elokana Shama is. So two ways of looking at this in this, in the, in this Mahalach. One is it's either Birkas Ho'edah, like Tosas has said, it's its own thanksgiving for my being here, or it is the Asher Yotzar, the connection. And why, why is it connected to Asher Yotzar? Asher Yotzar was the platform works, and now the software works, right? So meaning to say, the hardware is operating, and by the way, it's connected to this incredible system, and the algorithm's operating, and now I can do what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not just a primate walking around. I'm able to do something bigger. That's the Elokai Neshama. So looking at it as that, which is why, these are the, the, I, I just kind of merged this, and I apologize for being le, le, less clear. Tosus says it's a Birkos Ho'eda, and most of the poets, like the, the, the Rosh, and many of the other poets can say, it is really, technically speaking, connected to Asher Yatsar, why so thematically, but also halachically, therefore rendering it a bracha, leaning upon Asher Yatsar. Um, and that's why it should be done as such. And that's why we'll notice that some Sidurim, some Sidurim have it that Asher Yatsar is printed right before Elokai Neshama. Just by a show of hands, who uses a Siddur like that? Okay, it's interesting. So Ari and Sfarad actually usually do it more, Rani, as well. Eretz Yisrael Sidurim sometimes have this as well more. But most Sidurim don't, which means that most Sidurim, in a certain sense, view it a little differently. Why is that? Because of the next answer. This is an answer which is actually tucked away in an unusual place. It is found in the Toysvos Harosh. Toysvos Harosh is a commentary on Toysvos, attributed to the Rosh. And it, it has Toysvos, but it adds little... Extra. So if one ever, ever is uh, struggling with Toysos, which is usually, um, then it's always a good idea to look at the Toysos Harosh or the Toysos Rabbeinu Peretz who add an extra avenue. So in that he adds a line which is not, not to be found in the regular Toysos where he says in Source 7 the following observation. So this is the Toysos that we just saw. It's a Briyakas it's a Thanksgiving Brach, which doesn't follow the same rules of operation. Now, if I arrive at, this is Rav Avram based, um, I've based in. says, what is, it's actually, is this a Brach It's leaning on another Brach but it's not leaning on Asher Yatsar, which is why the Gemara did not put Asher Yatsar immediately before it in the stages of the day. What bracha is it leaning upon? It is leaning upon the bracha of Hamapil. Therefore, 
your sleep in a certain sense is not considered a hefsek. It is the, these brachas are the framework or the brackets to the experience of sleep. Fascinating. This is what the Ravid says. Now, if this is the case, this would explain why some Sidurim, so to speak, release it from the Ashayatzar. Because if this is the case, it doesn't need to be near the Ashayatzar. It's not related to the Ashayatzar. It's related to the Amapil. So he has an interesting observation, obse, observation in terms of halacha. Halacha, it should go before. You're right, to be, should be even earlier according to this. So, so, but he has an interesting observation when we're, as to perhaps approve about this. We know that there's a halacha that a person is supposed to be saying every day, 100 brachas. Person is supposed to try to, to, to accumulate that. I've always been interested in creating. You know, we have pedometers for the amount of steps we take. I still have not yet worked out how to do it for the brachas yet. But can you imagine, like, you know, like the like explosions of the fireworks, you know, and, like it buzzes every time you just get that last bracha. You went to the bathroom just the right time, you get the 100, you feel so great, right? You know, you print out your weekly report. The trouble is Shabbos, which is where you need it most, right? Is that it's the same thing with pedometers, right? If, if our insurance companies knew how many steps we took on Shabbos, I mean, it would just ca- cover all the 10,000s of the rest of the week, right, backwards. But nonetheless, okay, so, so it's, it's an invention yet to be made. Um, so but, but, so the, the hundred brachas, the Mishnah codifies this, and he says, let me tell you how you start counting. So take a look at this fascinating Mishnah Baruch. This is laid on in Simon Memvov in Source 8. He says, Abrachos, Atav, and if you show your Mesim, Bechol, your Mea, Nefashos in Yisrael, there were 100 people dying per day. Take in David as there, Nevarech, Mea, Brachos, Bechol, Yom. So David Amalek says you should bench 100 Brachos a day. Vine, Bechol, Yom, Bechol, Yom, and Nevarechim, Oid, Yosem, Mea, Brachos. He's on a regular day. If we're doing all our davening, we're doing all our brachas, we're doing more than 100. Kate said, Belayan, like a show, like Lishon, Mevarech, Amapil, Veshach, Mevarech, Alnziazadai, Masher. What does he start with? How does the day begin? How does the day begin, according to the Mishra, when you start the clock counting? Now, if you're going to say, oh, that's because in the Jewish calendar, you know what, night is the beginning, right? Well, then you should have started with Marev, right? Right? We do Marev first. So then there's all the Birkos Kriyashman, there's the Shwana Esrei, that's, that's 19, and then another 5, right? There's a lot of other brachas in. What about supper? Right? So he doesn't. He saw the Mapil. What, what's interesting about this? He says, he shows an interesting thing. It's almost as if, when does the day really begin? The day begins before you go to sleep. That's fascinating. Now, let's think about this uh, 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 in terms of like a healthy a, he- a healthy person. That means to say, and this has been proven, that a person who expresses or, or, or writes down um, things that they are grateful for before they go to sleep and they take a, 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 a gratitude diary, physiologically, chemically, have been shown to have better sleep. This is not just like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling in a good mood. This means to say that the, the tone in which a person goes to sleep, that it's been shown in studies that a person goes to sleep with a screen. Right? The blue light affects the way a person is going to sleep. The way a person puts themselves to sleep is the way the person wakes up as well. How successful an effect of that sleep is going to be. How refreshing and replenishing that sleep is going to be for, for, for that person. What Chazal knew before all these research came along is that's precisely the point. So what did Chazal do? They framed the sleep experience with really essentially it's one bracha, right? It's at the beginning is Amapil Shena Akarosh Baruch depositing, right? It's sort of like, you know, when you check in, you know, I'm, I'm checking in the keys, I'm putting them on the counter, and now I'm taking them back. So that's what's happening. Neshama is being checked in. Neshama is being checked out. There's a brach at the beginning, which is why Elokai Neshama does not start with the baruch because it already the process started. My day began with how I, I started. You know what they say is you can't get up like a lion if you went to bed like a dog, right? That's the way it goes. You can't. You can't if you if you just sort of you know fair, you know the, you know lopsided across the couch. It's very hard to be the person getting up like a, strong in the morning. One, ha- one has, to, uh, has to start the process and plan it, plan it in, su- in such a way. That's what's being said over here. And that's a very profound insight as to the, the uh, Elokana Shama, which is why, based on these different ideologies, therefore you'll see different streams in the post as to when it belongs. 
The Alpoiskim will say that technically speaking, based on the fact that in the Gemara it seems like an independent bracha, or as the Gemara shows, what was the previous bracha to it? Hamapil, which is the why the Ravid is saying this. So therefore, it is not necessary to connect it to Tashi Yatsar. And in fact, when giving the Seder Ayom, the Alpoiskim will say that it should go. How does it go? Alantil Sodaim, Shiyatsar, and then Birkasatara. And then the Elokai Neshama. Why, 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 is that, why are you putting the, uh, the, the Birkasar in the middle? Obviously, it seems to be independent. Whether that's because it's a Birkasar Hadar, whether because that's related to the sleep, and as Tibi points out, it's a good hour, it should be early on, it should be as you wake up, essentially, based on this on the, on the stream. But we see over here is how dependent or independent this bracha is, depends on the nature of this bracha. And by the way, just one last point, this will change the thought process we have when making it. If it is connected to Ashiyatsar, in a certain sense, it is the spiritual parallel of thanking Hashem for existence. If it is about the end of Amapiel, it's really in a certain sense framing the sleep experience and understanding the refreshing process of what sleep is meant to be, the soul in, soul out. So to speak, yeah, John. It's just interesting, we always find if we have a way to cover all opinions to cover it. Yes. It would seem that if you put Ashiyatsar before it, unless you really want to make the point of it, and that's precisely what the post can say. So the post can say that 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 uh, it is best to put it together. The Shabura suggests this. Many posts can say that. In fact, the Arach Hashulchan is it actually puts it in a more strongly worded thing. He says most of the posts can say it's brachas It relies on Ashriyotzar. So you should say it in such a way. So yes, to be Yotze Koladeus, that that is essentially the idea. But just to be aware of, if that does not happen it still lives its own independent lifestyle, right? So it, it, it still is its own bracha with its own rules. Worthwhile thinking about it. Yeah, Tabi. If you, some people don't say, like, you know, you die they get But if you say it beforehand, then you, you have to then see right there. Technically speaking, yes, exactly. For those doing it at home, it'll be part of the package of the home, or the home front. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So that, 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 that's what it is. And by the way, it's interesting to notice that when the Mishaburah talks about this, take a look in Source 12, and then the Mishaburah codifies this. What does that mean? What's Nara, Nara, Pashte? It's a halachic terminology, which means what's a Nahar? A river. Right? Nara, Nara, which means you have tributaries of a river. Upashta, each one goes in their own way, which means we need to be consistent. If we are of a tradition that it belongs of our, 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 our immediately after Ashriyatsa, that's how we should do it. And if we are not, we should not. Right? So it depends on the family tradition because these are two viable ideas and it goes back to the underpinnings of this mitzvah itself. It is interesting to notice the, the specific language used in this bracha, just for, for two, two moments, then we'll close with this. The language used in this, in this bracha is fascinating in, in that we use the word neshama. Right? Now, there are multiple different terms for the soul. Right? In fact, there are five different terms for the soul, technically speaking, um, um, when, when, uh, when appreciating this. So the Chidush HaGadah, the Maharaj Shah, actually in his commentary on the Gemara Brachas, points out an interesting point in Source 13, in the middle of the line, Haneshama Balishna Dekra Koleles Kolchelke Hanefesh. The word Neshama in the text, when you read the Bible, means three things. So he now he's doing the three-part division. There are more expanded versions, but the three-part division is Shem Shlosha, which is three, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. So the Kabbalistic and rational thinkers in Judaism say this. Um, um, right, so 
So he says, the reason why we say those three phrases about our Hashem depositing in us relate to the three parts or the three main parts of the soul, which relate to our instinctual self, that's what we'll call it, if an animal has a nefesh too, the ruach is the emotional component, the neshama is the spiritual intellectual component, all those three with a glass blow, it's sort of the the receiving air the, through the pipeline and the blower's mouth, so to speak, if one wants to think about in the Kabbalistic terms of how the human being was infused with the neshama, those are the things which are being returned. Technically speaking, when learning the Ramchal, it is worthwhile noting that it is only the upper parts of the neshama which migrate during sleep, so that would be ruach and neshama upwards. Mefesh, technically speaking, is somewhat tethered, so the instinctual existence of a human being is, this, that part of the, that spiritual part of the pure human being is tethered to the body, the other ones have a little more flexibility, which might be why we use the word neshama as well, because those are the ones which are migrating further and are returning at this point in time, um, to be aware of this. Um, we also notice an interesting point, is that is, we say, Atom meshamra bikirbi, you guarded in my midst. There's a really remarkable medrash, which says in the Yalkut Tehillim, where we say the very last words of all of Sefer Tehillim, which we say in our davening every day, Kol ha all my soul will pra praise you. Um, so the, what, what does that mean? What does it mean, our, all of our soul? Which parts of it are not, or yes? So the Medrash says in the Yalkut, All our existence, our soul, so to speak, is oscillating and trying to escape the confines of us. So how is it tethered to us? How is it bound to us? So really the soul, so to speak, every breath that we're taking is trying to leave us. And Hashem is, so to speak, pushing it back. Right? Is, is his presence is, is holding it within us. And that's what al says. That's, and that's why we say, You are ensuring that we remain a spiritual, physical being, and not that the spiritual runs away from the crassness of our body, which is very much um, an, an antithesis to it. That, taking that one step further, Rav Hirsch points out, and that's why, so to speak, the neshama is almost like an internal spiritual agent in our body, which reports the truth. The way he says it in his commentary on the Siddur is the following. He says, um, take a look at the, the sentence, um, which begins with, I make acknowledgement, halfway through the paragraph in 16. I make acknowledgement before you, that is, uh, what does it mean? Why do you start admitting to God now? He says, I have no secrets before God. Um, that which my soul knows, God knows, for the soul itself is divine light, which shines through the innermost being. So meaning to say, because I am tethered to this neshama, which is part of me, and that neshama is a chelek mal, and that's a part of God, that means to say that there's nothing I can hide because once the neshama returns into me, there's nothing I can hide behind, there's no excuses I can make, because that is, so to speak, all revealing, because that is part of the divine system. I'm on the grid. And therefore, there's nothing, there's nothing to be talked about. I'd like to close with perhaps the words of Rakuk on this, which is a, in his comment, translation of his commentary. It's not his commentary on the Siddur, it's actually in Orot. But there's a beautiful Siddur which came out recently. Koren published the Rav Kook Siddur, translated by Bitzalel Naor on, on Rav Kook. Now, it is very hard to read Rav Kook in English because it's very hard to read Rav Kook in Hebrew. Um, <laughs> so it's very, the, the ideas are much more profound than language can couch. But nonetheless, just to get a sense of this for this moment, he says, there is an ongoing tension between the infinite light, the Or and Sof, that's the, the Almighty, which is the source of the soul, and the egoistic and individualistic identity that, must assume, that, that it must assume for the duration of its bodily sojourn. That was all sort of the tension that Al-Sheikh was talking about, Hashem sort of preserving that tension. Despite what my, one may think to the contrary, the purity of the soul is undiminished 
because the soul is forever aspiring and to ascend to its lofty source. So on the one hand, it is an agency of the divine. On the other hand, it's stuck with me, right? So it's stuck in me and all the complication, the mud I have to walk through in my life. But Tahirahi, in the end of the day, it still maintains its purity despite everything I'm going through, which in a certain sense is our, our cord, our rip cord, which allows us to be able to, to, to re return every day. And which means that no matter how bad yesterday was, as Annie says, Tomorrow is always another day, right? So that means to say it's only one day away where we wake up every morning and we realize that there we have the capacity of purity because the battery has been recharged and has been put back into us and preserved us. The voice is just a fascinating topic. Halakhically, machshavically, there's so much to talk about. We'll move on to Birkhazara next time as well. Thank you for taking the time.